All right, week six was a mixed bag. We're not going to Miami. We didn't ship Battle Royale, but a Desmond Ritter vomit stack that JM shared on the block party on Friday helped salvage my day, as did a 1K pick'em slip. So as usual, this is the portfolio review. We'll do a walk around all of the DFS lineups, including the Deposit Kingdom tournament. A very interesting lineup won that. We'll get into that today and break down some other sweats going on in, in Weekly Winners and Best Ball Mania. All of that good stuff. It's the PPR. Let's go. I suffer from a debilitating condition known as atropic chalkitis. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. Let's go. I got auto match with Levitan. Bullshit. If I just go the other way in that 66, I win all the money. All the money. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Process over results. Hey everyone. All right, GMs, GMs all around. Yes, we got auto match with Levitan. This is bullshit. I really do need to uh I need to update the DFS intro because every year I update the uh the best ball bros one. Um I guess some of the stuff with DFS has been fairly evergreen, but I think we could probably have a new update at some point uh, if I could ever find the time. We certainly need some Sims references in there, I think. Um, GMs, GMs. Mike needs a double shot of espresso instead of a coffee pour this morning. Um, I can't help you out on the espresso, but we will get a coffee pour going here in a sec once I get uh, through the GMs here. Uh, let's see, Jay Mike, can we get a highlight from the weekend? Um, it was a pretty low-key uh, weekend for me. I'm trying to think of a highlight. Like, honestly, we just had finally a normal night on a Friday. I didn't get to watch Survivor uh, this week, which I'm I'm into. I'm in a, a fantasy league with some of the guys in the Deposit Kingdom, so I had to sweat that out. And uh, Lauren and I just had a night to ourselves finally on Friday night where we didn't have anything going on, got to watch some Survivor, had some Apple Crisp with uh vanilla ice cream that's the highlight of my my weekend these days j mike i'm not getting out of the house much um i i do my workouts in in my garage gym i basically never leave um so yeah uh, i wish i had a better highlight for you um but that was about it a little apple crisp and vanilla ice cream that's how you know i'm getting old um exactly clay if we had just gone the other way on that 6v6 i win all of the money's gms gms when will Thielen be 9K? I, I need it. I mean, this dude just stuffs me in a locker every single week. Um, I mean, holy shit, Adam Thielen. Uh, and I just, he, he is the one, you know, there's like some players where it was like Devon Achan and Puka's price goes up. And I'm like, I have no problem continuing to chase those guys up. But Adam Thielen's price like goes up a little bit. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. This has to end somewhat or sometime eventually. No. He just keeps crushing. And it's especially cruel because I do the uh, weekly wrap-up for the Fantasy Life newsletter, and I do basically like the six top fantasy performers. And I've just left a spot as the sixth bullet in that piece just permanently fixed on Adam Thielen. I'll just have to write about Adam Thielen every single week in that spot. Um, so, yes, I continue to get stuffed in the locker uh, by Adam Thielen. It is funny, though, like, Thinking about that archetype of player, and I would say that like Odell Beckham kind of fell into that archetype as well, right? Like a veteran player 
who we haven't seen them produce at a high level in a while. They were both going, what, in that 11th to 13th round range in most of drafts all summer. And it's like one of them is hitting massively and the other has been a total bust. And it's kind of like when you play with fire with those kind of archetypes, you can get absolutely burned or you can hit on a league winner. So uh, congratulations to all the Adam Thielen drafters. I didn't even call you guys slappies. I really wanted to say the Adam Thielen slappies, but this is maturity for me. I'm not even calling you guys slappies here. Um, all right, let's see here. Um, da, 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 catching up. Hodge played cash this week and still lost. Man, that is still a bridge too far for me. I will not be entering those cash game streets until week 18, at which case you can send me a head-to-head. -head. Yeah, Ink Magma saying, uh, love the low-scoring weeks. Yeah, super low-scoring week. I was kind of stunned when I saw Jared Goff was sitting as the QB1 on the week. And I do think that thesis of it made sense, right? Like on paper, the top two quarterbacks from a ceiling perspective on this week were Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. And we ended up liking the spot for both of those guys a decent bit. Obviously the Eagles or sorry, the Jets secondary was in shambles heading into this game, which I think boosted how we felt about Hurts. Obviously didn't work out for either Hurts or Fields. Lots of turnovers. Fields leaves the games injured. But I do think the flatness of quarterback this week really pointed to going down at quarterback. And I didn't. I played Fields in my lane in my main lineup, but everyone who went cheap or went a little bit off the board at quarterback this week, I think was uh, very much rewarded. So yeah, it's interesting thinking through like the bigger slate dynamics um, and then how you can capitalize on that as well. Um, Easy says he's 6-0 and in cash and at an existential crisis. I think you're now Levitan, man. I think you just got to pivot. You're no longer a spreadsheet, you know, tournament bro. I think you need to start writing up a blog post about your want plays, your must plays, um, your locked and loaded plays. You got to post your percentage ROI each week. You got to post the screen grab of yourself photoshopped on that guy that says no regrets. I think you just got to lean into the bit. You got to lean into it. Um, oh, yeah. Zach says Miami off the main slate next week. Thanks. Thank the Lord. Is that their, um, is that the Germany game against Kansas City? Is that next week? Um, yeah, I think that that should be fun. But yeah, nice to not have to deal with uh, the Dolphins going nuclear at uh, insane chalk levels, which we will talk about as well. That Raheem Moster uh, chalk got away from even me there. Uh, Tyler, member for 16 months. Always appreciate you, Tyler. The, uh, the, uh, the king of the super chat says, my wife and I celebrated our one-year anniversary yesterday. Seemed like a good day to unplug and touch grass slash ass. GM all. Uh, congratulations, Tyler. One year. Uh, that is awesome. Congratulations to both of you. Um, all right. Let me see here. Um, let me do a coffee pour. Let me get the ducks going, and then we can start to look at some lineups here. First, the ducks. All right. There's the ducks. And what are we going to get? Coffee now. Another thing I will pull up, uh, once I'm done looking at my DraftKings lineups, let me show you one of the few best ball teams I drafted on DraftKings. Um, there is a, an interesting player who's on that team there. Mm. 
Yeah, ATX says the the showdown cash game opto shell has been been fire. Yeah, basically for each of the uh, showdown slates, if you're in the hand builders in opto bros the Discord, I I post kind of the opto um, from the solver over at ETR, and then some of the leverage and the EV plays from Simrunner. And I know a lot of people have had success hand building some showdown lineups just using kind of the opto leans and then kind of some of the the plus ev and leverage pivots uh thanks to our friends at simrunner and speaking of simrunner by the way i did a dfs after dark with justin freeman on uh when was that saturday night had a really good conversation with him um always like catching up with him and then at the end we actually used simrunner to build and look for lineups um, and there were a lot of settings in there that even myself and some, you know, run the Sims power users weren't even aware of. So if you guys are YouTube members, you got access to that. And if you have um, a sub to, to run the Sims, I think you'll find it very helpful here. Um, all right. Let's look at my main lineup here as we get going. Uh, yeah, my main lineup fell on its face and... This one, um, yeah, there's lots to unpack here. So a lot of these plays I talked about on the cram. Let me first off apologize. Uh, my gold star lock of the week, Tutu Atwell, uh, did not hit. No, he failed miserably. Uh, we did get him at 1.6% here in the big spy, uh, but you see the snowflake here. Did have that one catch for 30 yards. Let me recap the whole team here. Justin Fields, 17.3%. I'm going to list the uh, the field exposures here. DeAndre Swift, 16.6%. Raheem Mostert, 62.8%. Tutu Atwell, 1.6%. Christian Kirk, 21.8%. Darnell Mooney, 2.4%. Evan Ingram, 10.8%. Cooper Cup, 24.4%. And then the Buccaneers defense at 19%. So basically, the thesis of this play, uh, or of this lineup, was I wanted to attack the Colts secondary, and I wanted to attack the Cardinals secondary. And so I did that with two sets of pass catchers, Tutu and Cup, Ingram and Christian Kirk. And then I was struggling with the Trevor Lawrence and the Matthew Stafford plays. Did they really have the ceiling to help me win a 5,000 plus person tournament? And I said, I really like the ceiling that my lineup has when I put in a field skinny stack and basically getting in three separate stacks. So a field skinny and then a Ram stack without the quarterback and a Jag stack without the quarterback. And then I got my two favorite running back plays on the slate, DeAndre Swift at 6,100, Raheem Mostert at 6,400, and then only had room for a cheap punt defense. So I think the this lineup construction I'm happy with obviously fields leaves the game early. Um, you know, Mooney was starting to get going there a little bit. Um, I don't think fields was going to have like a mega insane ceiling, even if he played that entire game, but certainly would have done better than six points. Um, I think the thing I'm upset about with this lineup is some of these ownership percentages got away from me. And, you know, when I'm looking at DeAndre Swift all week, sub 10%, even when I'm using the solver and I like running a few different sets of op optimals and I'm like, give me two players in this lineup that are sub 10% just to make sure I am pulling some uniqueness levers. DeAndre Swift was one of those guys because he was projected sub 10% ownership. He obviously got steamed here. Like going from, I think his projected ownership was at 8%. Doubling that to 16% is massive. Raheem Mostert came in double what he was projected. You know, 30 to 40%, which I thought was a fair clip for Raheem Mostert in this spot. 
And I thought the ownership made sense to me just because there were so many viable running back plays in the six and low 7K range. But Raheem Mostert coming in at 62.8%. I will tell you right now, I would not have played Raheem Mostert had I known he was that high. I knew he was going to be popular. I knew he was a smash play, but there's a pretty big difference between like 30 to 40% and 62%. Um, he obviously smashes, but if we're going from just a, a process standpoint, um, I don't know if I love Raheem Mostert at 63%. Um, the ones I was actually surprised on, and this was what is so weird for me, is the players I thought were going to be more chalky were actually less chalky. Like Christian Kirk, I thought could have approached 30%. I thought he was at least $1,000 mispriced. He comes in at 21%. Evan Ingram, he was projecting for close to 20% ownership. He comes in at 10%. So getting those two guys at those percents feel very good. Cooper Cup held in check at 24%. And then another one I was wrong on, I think someone even asked me in the cram. They said, is Bucks D going to be chalk? And I was like, I kind of think they should be chalk at 2,300. But they were projecting, I think the ETR had it at 4%. The Bucks end up coming in here at 19%. So I was like, I knew Tutu and Darnell Mooney were going to be my low own differentiators, um, which certainly happened. Tutu 1.6, Darnell Mooney 2.4. But holy cow, um, I was way off on my, uh, my assumptions on a lot of these ownerships. Even Justin Fields, right? Because we were looking at it and it was um, Stafford and Lawrence and Burrow who are all tracking to be in the 10 to 15% range and fields look like he would be held in check six to 7%. Then he comes in at 17.3%. So I actually, you know, last week I felt really good about my process, my lineup. Um, I think the lineup itself, like how the pieces fit together, I think tells a coherent story, but I was really off on how I thought, um, how unique I thought this was going to be. I really did think I was going to get field sub 10%. But it also seems like people kind of maybe realized what I did, which is when I went down from fields and I messed with this lineup saying like, what if I go with Lawrence? What if I go with Stafford? What if I save that money? I wasn't able to make any upgrades that felt meaningful to me um, or got me up to plays that I really wanted. You know, you're not getting up to even a Jamar Chase or a, a Tyreek Hill just by going down from fields to those guys. So the savings wasn't significant enough. And so I ended up thinking that the ceiling there for fields would help Trump it. Um, but man, at 17.3%, um, yeah, everything with these ownerships got away from me here. Hmm. Steph says, I would have been more upset over 2-2 if Puka didn't suck yesterday, too. Yeah, the Rams' offense was just frustrating yesterday. I mean, even Kyron Williams, their, their first half was atrocious. Um, and basically, the way that entire game broke, it was like Kyron couldn't get going. I think he had four yards rushing. Um, and the Rams had so many stalled-out drives, so many three-and-outs. Then in the second half, once Kyron got going, then it just completely consolidated around Kyron and cup and no one else could get there um tutu atwell and higby still on the field a ton but when you look at their target shares and i was actually looking at this before you see tyler higby's target share um the past two weeks has come way down you know he was at 25 percent week four cup comes back in week five and six he's down to nine and 15 percent you see puka's target share still holding strong 31 percent in week five 25 percent in week six, but then you see tutus have legitimately come down. Um, you know, part of my my gold star lock thesis was one, this Rams secondary is awful. Two, 
Tutu still ran 95% of the routes, even with Cooper Cup returning, 14% of the targets, healthy dot. he can get there on a big play and leverage on all of the other popular plays in the Rams offense. But then you really saw his role go down even further last week or, or this week, 82% of the routes, only 10% of the targets. Um, still that healthy dot there, 20. So I do think he's there for, for big plays occasionally, but yeah, I whiffed on that, but it was more a whiff on the entire uh, Cardinals, uh, or sorry, that entire game. One take I do feel good about was not forcing bringbacks with the Cardinals. Um, and even kind of in the Jags game, I guess Josh Downs kind of got there. He gave you a, a, a usable week, but playing these offenses... Um, just through the side that you think is going to put up the most points um, worked out pretty well outside of Adam Thielen, who was like the one bring back you needed uh, last week. So this was my main lineup in the spy. Um, I do like getting a little bit more unique in the spy. And that's why I'm willing to take on guys like Tutu Atwell and Darnell Mooney, who obviously have a very wide range of outcomes, but when they do hit, they hit in ways that can win you the tournament. So other than the percentages, I feel good about this team. But yeah, this was a huge miss. Fields leaving the game early was just kind of a gut punch. Um, but it is what it is. Now, what salvaged my day, and I've been sticking to my, you know, my one core set of plays. And at the last minute, I built this lineup probably with like 20 minutes before lock, where I was like, you know what? JM. He, he was on the Ritter thing. Everyone thought it was gross. I was like, you know what? I, I owe it to myself to roll out one Ritter vomit stack. So I put this in the power sweep, which is that 153 max with 100K to first 3,000 entries. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to build the team around my core. So I'm still going to have DeAndre Swift, still going to have Mostert, um, still going to have Cup. And then I was able to get in some of the other plays I mentioned on the cram that I really want. So it, of course, does have the Desmond Ritter, Drake London, Kyle Pitt stack. Didn't force a bring back. Um, and then it allowed me to go up from Ingram to Ridley in this lineup. And it also allowed me to go up from Bucks D to Seahawks defense, who I mentioned on the cram as liking. Um, so this team fared much better, right? Because you get Ritter at 3.7%, London at 11%, Kyle Pitts at 10.2%, you know, Ritter 22 points, Drake London 24.5, Kyle Pitts 14.3. And none of those stat lines on the surface seem like there's some incredible uh, total, but on a low scoring week for the prices here that you were getting these guys, it really was a huge differentiator. And we can go through some of the winning lineups on the week, but man, you just saw Ritter stacks everywhere, whether it included Janu, whether it was skinny, skinny stacks with London, um, the Ritter stuff really opened up a lot because if you used Ritter to get up to Cup or Tyreek or to play three of these 6K running backs, you ended up having a really good day. So this lineup works out for me. I finished in 83rd out of 3,703, um, you know, $600 in winning, nothing um, that I'm going to be doing cartwheels over, but it does salvage my day. Um, you know, pays for my entry fees on the day, which is always a good feeling, right? When you're playing GPPs and you know it's very well within the range of outcomes to have multiple losing weeks, to be able to get, um, you know, a little 4X here and salvage the day feels good. And uh, and a reminder that, uh, man, the, the chat was repulsed when JM floated this Ritter block on, on Block Party, which if for some reason you guys aren't watching that, that's every Friday at 2 p.m. And uh, JM and I build a lineup at the end of the week. 
And I saw I saw someone in the comments last week too being like, uh, I've been playing this in, in contest every week and it hasn't been winning. Um, first of all, please don't ever play a lineup exactly as it's built on a Friday. Too much stuff changes. The point though is to get ideas and there's a reason he calls them building blocks because these are blocks you can use. I didn't use all of the plays we talked about on that show, but I did want to revisit this block involving Ritter, London, and Pitts. And I was able to build a lineup here around my other favorite core plays. It hits here for 174.18 points and uh and gets me a nice 4x cash there and salvages the day so shout out to jm with the ritter call and shout out to all my desmond ritter best ball bags as well um it is not pretty at all three interceptions a back-breaking interception there at the end of the game and yet for fantasy it doesn't matter if at five thousand dollar salary 3.7 percent field exposure 22 points we will take that to the bank every single week yeah, we're still in awe of this Moster 62.8% in the SPY, 59.4% here. Completely got away from me. Um, I I mean, that was so, so much steam. And I, I knew he was the best running back play. I just didn't know it was going to get to those levels. Um, but I think the Jeff Wilson being out really just gave everyone the supreme confidence. Like, I saw JM boosted his confidence on Moster after that. Dwayne McFarland over at Fantasy Life had Raheem Mostert as a top five overall play on the entire slate. We saw in the Battle Royale and uh, Underdog Contest, Raheem Mostert went from a mid-second round pick to the 105, 106 in all of those drafts. So maybe I should have flagged that steam. Um, but yeah, it was tough for me because what did I say on the cram? I was like, I do not want to fade this spot from the Dolphins. Like, I either want to play the Dolphins defense, I want to play Mostert, I want to play Tyreek, I want to play Waddle and Tua. I want to have a Dolphin in my lineup because you know they are going to score points. Um, and I did think Mostert was the best way to capture those, price adjusted. But guess what? So did the entire field. So did the entire field. 60% here. Hmm. Yosh uh, tilting a little bit, seeing Swift uh, at 20%, seeing Boston Scott play was tilting. Yeah, um, I mean, his workload, though, has still been, you know, very solid here as far as Swift. I think he was a good play. Um, it is a little unfortunate when he gets steamed uh, like he did, but I don't really worry about his workload. You know, his snaps continue to be around 60%. He continues to see around 50% of the rushing attempts, and he continues to have a really nice workload as far as the routes, 56% of the routes and 21% of the targets. That was actually his highest target share on the year. So to me, nothing has really changed for DeAndre Swift. And when you look at these, you know, short down and distance, long down and distance snaps, you know, he's still heavily involved. He was in playing 43% of the two minute drill uh, yesterday. So his role in this offense is still um, elite. And I actually think the hallmark of elite players is they get there in even really gross game environments, right? This Eagles team was a disaster. What, they turned the ball over three, or was it four times? They had no takeaways themselves, um, really couldn't sustain drives. And DeAndre Swift still gets there with pretty solid usage, has that passing touchdown. And, you know, JM was talking about this on Friday as well, as far as like the pre-touchdown points. Like the big, you know, the damn breaking game is going to happen for DeAndre Swift at some point when you pair 
his talent, his usage in this offense. Um, I do want to keep playing DeAndre Swift. Um, I just wish he was sub 10% as projected and not and not higher here. Chase says, Pete, can you explain why you wouldn't play Mostert at 60% if you think he is a smash play? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like I kind of got into it a little bit, but, you know, I am much more in general willing to play uh, chalk pieces this year. And the Sims have given me more confidence in that. You see how certain lineups make sense in different ways. But I still want to be asking myself, what is my best path to first place? And is it playing a guy that over two-thirds of the field is going to have on their lineup. I think my better path to first place is saying, hey, like the field, I acknowledge that the Dolphins are going to score points, but they can score points in other ways. It could be their defense. It could be um, with uh, Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell or Tua, or maybe I onslaught it and I toss in Durham Smythe. We know they're going to score points. What if they don't come from the spot that the field is supremely confident it's coming from? And so Moster, I I do not want I do not want to say he was a bad play, but I do want to say at those ownership levels, he did not give you the cleanest path to first place. So that's that's the best way I would put it. Hopefully that makes sense. You can still build lineups that make sense around Moster. And I think my lineup made sense. I had two players who were sub 3%. So I was pulling uniqueness levers, but I still think if I could redo that. I would want to rearrange it a bit and probably play Tyreek instead, maybe play a Tua stack instead and be like, what if they get the points through the air? That gives me a better chance to lap the field while still acknowledging, you know, that the Dolphins have a 30-point team total here. (laughs) This this is so funny to see this comment back-to-back. And then he says, Tutu and Mooney in the same lineup feels too cute. Part of why it wasn't too cute is because I actually thought the other pieces in my lineup were going to be more chalky. I thought Kirk was going to be really chalky. Ingram is going to be more chalky. If if you acknowledge that Fields, Cup, Kirk, Ingram, and Moser, and then Swift are essentially a cash game lineup, that is six of my nine spots are essentially a cash game lineup by percentages, you have to pull uniqueness levers. You can't play the popular punt plays at those prices if you're playing those other pieces. And this is why it goes all the way into lineups, not exposures. And people get so tripped up on these. Tutu and Mooney were not cute in the context of this lineup. They were uniqueness levers I needed to pull, and they accomplished blocks that I wanted to attack. Mooney as the cheapest stacking partner paired with Fields, and Tutu as part of that Rams block against the team who has given up the most points relative to expected points to wide receivers in the entire league in the Cardinals. So you got to be very honest with yourself with the type of lineups you're building. And can you win a 5,000 person contest with a cash game lineup? No, you can't. So you have to be willing to embrace some volatility. And when you do, I want it to be players who have a very wide range of outcomes and their profile when they do hit it's for big plays that speed up the game and result in lots of fantasy points. So um, if I had been playing, um, and there's a reason when you look at my Ritter lineup, I didn't force Tutu and uh, and Darnell Mooney in this one because I already had my low-owned differentiators. It was Ritter, it was London, and it was Pitts. And in this one, I was able to get the Ridley-Kirk block in cup and those guys were far more popular but you have to know which uniqueness levers are you pulling when you believe uh in that uh lineup pete stop trying to hedge in dfs with ridley ridley was uh 
a good DFS play, but again, he got steamed yesterday because he was projecting seven to 8%. Kirk was projecting closer to 30%. And again, all the galaxy brainers came up on Ridley and down on Kirk. Um, but yeah, love the spot for both of those guys. Holy cow. Ridley has been disappointing. He's still generating a ton of first read targets. Um, but yeah, just has been a massive disappointment here. Thank you, Kyle, for reminding me if I sub out Thielen uh, for, for Ridley, you win all the money. Yes. Um, all right. Let's, um, I want to look at the Deposit Kingdom tournament. Uh, this lineup that took down the Deposit Kingdom tournament is absolutely wild. Um, it's a wild lineup. So it's Jared Goff, Kyron Williams, Raheem Mostert, Jordan Addison, Drake London, Josh Downs, Sam Laporta, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Lions defense. So... Let's unpack this and shout out to uh, Kellen Cujo takes this down 187.82 points. And I will tell you right now, this is a lineup I never would have made myself. Um, it does some things that I think make sense. It does some things that I don't think make sense. And yet on a low scoring week, reducing the number of things you have to get right in a small contest, this is 100 or 450 entries. Although I just realized, guys, are you kidding me? We didn't fill this. I'm just now noticing this. It was 450 entries. We got to 448. Now I have to make it smaller this week. Um, that's embarrassing to be too short of filling this, but I will tilt about that off air. But what's so interesting to me about this lineup is, first of all, this block here on the Lions, Goff 1.1%, Laporta 0.2%. Amon Ra, 4.7%, and Lions defense, 13.6%. So Laporta at 5,600 with the Q tag, I think was a very, very hard click. It sounded like he was legitimately 50-50, kind of heading into Sunday, and then things trended in the right direction. Um, obviously, Amon Ra St. Brown was an awesome tournament play, knowing Gibbs is out, knowing Laporta's banged up. Um, Amon Ra was just going to feast underneath. So even though he had the elevated price tag, um, knowing that he was going to be very unpopular, um, I think makes a ton of sense. And then I don't even mind being like, you know what? I'm just going to play Goff, Laporta, and St. Brown, try to capture this block of points. But then no bring back, which again, I think is fine. But then the Lions defense tossed in as well without David Montgomery as kind of like the onslaught of this lineup. It's just a very unique lineup. But again, I think my takeaway here is even though I don't necessarily love some of the way those correlations and interactions work as far as Lions defense and the passing game. I like the idea of saying, I love this spot for the Lions. I want to capture as many points from the Lions in this spot as I can. And I know it's going to be really unique. And again, this lineup um, then just played a, a decent amount of hits elsewhere. Kyron and Moster, two very popular running backs, and then lived in the 5K range at wide receiver, didn't get up to Cup, didn't get up to Tyreek, but played Jordan Addison, who I think was a really good play at 12.1%. Drake London, obviously a good play. You see a little Deposit Kingdom steam here. He comes in at 16.7%. Josh Downs, who was probably what the most popular pump play um, at 32.4% in this contest. And yeah, like no, all you hit on was the Goff and Amon Ra, who finished as the QB1 and wide receiver one, and you ate some of the good chalk in Mostert. And that that's it. That's all it took to win this week. And it does uh, make you realize that it is so much easier to win on the low scoring weeks because this lineup essentially got, what should we say? Three things, right? A Goff, Amon Ross stack, Raheem Mostert is good chalk and Drake London 
as like the best mid-tier wide receiver play. I guess we could say they got three things right there to take down this tournament. And to do that, they had to use four Lions and two of them were maybe tougher clicks in conjunction with Goff and St. Brown, but it doesn't matter. Eliminating the number of things you get right. So shout out to Kellen Cujo for winning uh, what will maybe only be the only 450 person deposit kingdom contest because we now have to make this smaller this week. Um, Jay Gibson here near the top with the uh, the exact block that we used on uh, on Friday with Jam to win. Desmond Ritter to Johnu Smith with Curtis Samuel as the bringback was able to get in Mostert, uh, Evans, and then, oh, okay, here's our Adam Thielen here. Adam Thielen, 13.8%. Um, also got up to Cooper Cup here. Um, crazy, because like if I looked at these two lineups and, and you didn't have the number of fantasy points, the total next to them, I would have been like, oh yeah, this Ritter lineup won, right? Um, Cup, uh, Thielen, um, and yet uh, it still just barely comes in second. But this lineup, I think, um, looks very nice to me playing some of these one-off values. I think Mike Evans as a one-off pick here at 3.4% was a pretty nice play. And I also loved using... Obviously, if you use the Bears or Vikings defense, I think that worked out really well because you're sidestepping Deontay Foreman chalk. You're sidestepping all of the Vikings value at wide receiver, the fields chalk, and saying, what if this game is gross? Um, so Chicago Bears at 2,500 at home at 5.8%. I think that was a pretty good play there. Hmm. Did two people on reg, they couldn't handle the heat. Was this actually full at some point? I knew it was close because on my cram on Sunday, I don't think it was full yet. I think we had seven more spots. Um, athletic preparation. Are you, is this you? Are you Jay Gibson here? Still a very nice lineup. Still a very nice lineup. Let's check out third place here. WFNY, Scott. It is funny. You see on a low scoring week, three different stacks. Take it down. A Jared Goff in first place, a Desmond Ritter in second, and then you get the Tua here this was a fun lineup look at this Tua Moster Tyreek you bring it back with Thielen and Chuba so you just play this game and you take the value on the on the uh on the Panthers you do a little mini correlation with Logan Thomas and Drake London Logan Thomas falls on his face but it doesn't matter you play the one-off Josh Downs and then you get up to 49ers defense um again th this this room or this drafter got one thing right that there's a ton of points in Carolina, Miami. That's all they got right. I guess you can tack, tack on Drake London too. So two things right for this lineup. Um, Tua, Mostert, Tyreek, Chuba, Thielen, and then a one-off uh, or a mini there, Drake London, Logan Thomas. This has always kind of been the, uh, <laughs> the, the takeaway. I'm no longer devoting my brain power to the tight end position. I did um, at one point, I had uh, Mike Gesicki in my lineup, and I was just like, you know what? You know, Juju's not playing. Mike Gesicki's 2,600, and I just want to pay the least amount possible at tight end um, and not worry about it. And then I chickened out and uh, and ended up using Ingram and, uh, and Kyle Pitts. But yeah, um, if there's one position you want to ignore, um, it's definitely that one. Nolan says, normally I don't recap a, you know, a lineup that finished in 117th place, but um, I will do it because Nolan threatens this is the only time he'll get in the deposit kingdom this year. Um, now I'm intrigued, Nolan. Why is this the only time you will get in here? Um, 
Fish are friends. Uh, Gardner Minshew to Josh Downs and Pittman. That's a unique stack there. And then bringing it back with both Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram. I like that idea. You play Kyron and Raheem Mostert, who are both great plays. A one-off DJ Moore. Um, don't know if I love that. Um, and then 49ers defense. But this seems like a good lineup to me. Minshew was a nice value at 5000 He obviously lost some of the shine relative to Desmond Ritter. But playing um this game the my only thought on this lineup nolan would be if i'm playing the gardner Minshew vomit stack um i would almost want to go with etn here being like if they're chucking a ton um sure it could be a shootout where both of them are chucking a ton but i do think that the Minshew pitman downs and all that underneath stuff is maybe hitting more in etn scenarios um but it would have been hard um you would have had to have pivoted dj Moore to etn you probably come off ridley and go down um but yeah i, I like this block i think these are the kind of onslaughts you should be rolling out in the small field 450 person soon to be 400 person contest so i, I like that team nolan oh that's no fun Traveling out of state, my state doesn't let me have fun. That's a bummer. Well, uh, at least you got the min cash. You, you got the uh, the two X here. Turned your ten dollars into twenty dollars. It's honest work, Nolan. You can call it a work trip now because you min cash in the Deposit Kingdom tournament. Um, I did want to show you guys this one thing as we were talking about Adam Thielen. So I did like a few. I think I did four total um, best ball drafts on DraftKings this year. Um, three in the Millie Maker when they were doing that like free ticket giveaway. And then I did one $250 contest. Um, they had the the smaller field uh, mid-stakes tournament. And I remember doing this draft because I'm not accustomed to drafting on underdog or on, on DraftKings. I, I got auto-timed out an Adam Thielen share. And I was going and looking at my contest and it said that I was like winning $1,300 last night. And I was like, is that from my showdown lineups? No, it was because this team has now moved into first place here all because I auto-drafted an Adam Thielen share. And then I ended up leaning into it. I grabbed uh, I grabbed DJ Chark later. And uh, But yeah, I just thought this was hilarious that I have one good team over here and it was an accidental Adam Thielen share. I can't even take credit for it. I, I literally got auto-timed out Adam Thielen, and I almost protest stopped drafting the rest of the team. I was like, this team's dead. I don't even want to draft it anymore. It's too ugly. Um, but it's actually kind of a fun team. So I basically did a, a Baltimore-heavy onslaught and a Seahawks-heavy onslaught. So I had Lamar Jackson, uh, Zay Flowers, and then I lost uh, J.K. Dobbins, but it does have Rashad Bateman. And then I did do the bring back with Devon Achan in this one. And then I have the Geno Smith with Tyler Lockett, JSN, um, and Noah Fan. So I went heavy on those guys. But this week, you know, I get Michael Mayer coming back to life here. This team does have Garrett Wilson and Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, it's going to be weak at running back. Ramondre Stevenson, Tajay Spears, um, Devon Achan, who's going to be out for what, three, four more weeks. Ty Chandler, who looks completely dusty and dead. Eli Mitchell, um, who at least was back, but seems like he's lost that job to Jordan Mason. So I don't have much hope for this team, um, but it is funny that um, Adam Thielen is single-handedly uh, carrying this squad. Um, all right, let's check in on a little bit of underdog action from this week. I actually got in the most volume 
on underdog that I have all week, um, or sorry, all year. I ended up getting uh, 50 entries in Battle Royale, and I got 12 entries in the Dog Bowl. I will not be going to Miami, uh, however, and I think I think I ended up going six for 12. I got six teams in the top 1,000, which means I get my money back on those. So ended up putting in, what was it, 12 times 50. So $600, and I'll get $300 back. Um, didn't win any other prizes. My best team finished in 183rd place. It was a Tua, Tyreek, and yes, I did throw in my gold star lock of the week, Tutu Atwell at the end there. Had Kenneth Walker and Chuba Hubbard at running back. Evan Ingram at tight end. That was my best team. Um, Pruck here takes it down with a Jared Goff to a Mon Raw, St. Brown. You pretty much had to have Mostert and Adam Thielen on these teams. And then that Jared Goff, um, Amon Raw skinny stack is very sweet. Brandon Ayuk, um, 9.6 points, enough to get it done. And then Dalton Schultz, who I did think was a really good tight end play this week without uh, Tank Dell playing. So congratulations to uh, to Kuruk, or however you pronounce their name, Sobi here. Is that is that the crypto Sobi? Uh, or is that a different Sobi? Uh, one of you uh, NGMI guys, let me know. Is this that Sobi here? Um, also had the same core, Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown, Raheem Mostert, and Adam Thielen. And then his one-offs, Jacoby Myers and George Kittle. Pretty incredible to punch a ticket to Miami uh, with 0.6 points from the tight end position, which basically just dovetails to what we were just saying of uh, spend as little time thinking about uh, the second play or thinking about the tight end position as possible. Um, and then DPY here had a CJ Stroud double stack with Nico and Dalton Schultz. Again, you have the Moster Adam Thielen and then the one-off Amon Raw. So some certain guys you absolutely had to have. And then there was room to correlate around that. Um, and we've talked about that in these 12-person drafts. You know, the double stacks are completely viable. I love that Stroud, Nico, Schultz. And then you just hit the nuts elsewhere. Moster, Thielen, Amon Raw. Um as far as the Battle Royale, it looks like um, I had $250 in play, returned $112. Um, nothing near the top of the leaderboard here. Um, Mayor McShippet takes down $30,000 with a two at a Tyreek and Mostert stack, one off Travis Etienne, one off Amon Ross St. Brown, and then Kyle Pitt. So, not another, this was not a scroll down week. Um, you see the the ADPs got Tua a little after ADP takes uh, ETN at pick 12, Mostert at pick 24. So this must have been an earlier draft um, if you were getting Mostert at 24. So we talked about last week, the kind of the key for Battle Royale was scooping up those ADP values. It was that Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard, and I forget the other player where they, it wasn't like a galaxy brain team. It was a very logical team, but they got ADP values. And then this one is the case for drafting early, right? Because it got Raheem Mostert at pick 24. My guess is this was drafted pretty early on in the week. Maybe someone, one of the bad bros or somebody can tell me if that is true. But considering he was going, uh, his closing line ADP was at five and a half. Guessing this was drafted early and then was able to get in Tyreek Hill in a Mon Ra um, there uh as well and then kyle pitts was getting drafted i think like on the fringe in most drafts so nice team there to mayor mcship it my best team was a jalen hurts to aj brown travis Etienne at running back waddle at wide receiver amon Ra 
at wide receiver and Kyle Pitts. So one of those teams that, you know, looks nice. Yeah, pretty solid team. Lowest score, 12.3 points, 112 points. And yet you're still um, almost 30 points off of the first place line there. Um, let's see this. Brandon says he got his girlfriend to sign up on Underdog, hoping to get her interested. She drafted one BR team last week and hit for $500, which is better than I've ever done. Down bad. That is, that's the risk when you show people in your life, um, your hobby, and then they devote far, far less time to it than you and still do better. Um, it's a humbling moment, but at least Brandon, you are, um, you're bringing your girlfriend into your world. And now you guys are going to have plenty to talk about on brunch, uh, you know, brunch on Saturday. You don't have to talk about what you used to talk about. You can talk about who's the best um, scroll the F down play in Battle Royale. So uh, congrats on the sex, Brandon. Um, Primetime KG, welcome uh, to becoming a YouTube member. As I think I have pinned in the chat there, if you guys are the hand builder and opto bros, you get uh, essentially three things for just $7.99 a month. You get two extra shows a week. You get the Sunday crams at 10.45 a.m. We go through the GPP slate, overnight news. We build a, a pick'em entry. That one hit last week, didn't hit this week. Um, and then we also do a couple underdog drafts. You get the DFS After Dark, where I bring someone uh, from the industry on. We do an interview for about 45 minutes, and then we build a team. Always get really good feedback on those, super casual, chill vibes on Saturday evenings. And then you get access to the Discord as well, where we share those showdown plays that I was talking about before uh, as well. So uh, very good value, eight bucks a month. You end up getting eight extra shows plus access to the Discord. Um, appreciate all of you who are YouTube members. Um, Primetime KG, this is KG from the Liam Discord. Uh-oh, now I'm scared because I've seen some of the people that are in Liam's Discord. You guys are a different breed over there. It gets wild over there in the Liam Discord, uh, from what I hear. Um, all right, let's see. What else was I going to look at? Um, Tyler says, 111th place in BBM4 is our new Walrus Balls. All right, I'm scared to look at this. I'm scared to look at who is in 111th. But I, I do, uh, of course, should have known Tyler would flag this. What are we looking at here? Let's go over to 111th. <laughs> Stroke scissors stroke season the thing is is you have plausible deniability you know when underdog inevitably holds the username trials and basically nick rudman is going to sit uh atop a throne at a high court and everyone is going to have to come and plead their case and say underdog my name my username should stand and and you know Rudman's going to rubber stamp whether they're allowed or not stroke season can at least go up and say it's just a golf reference um, it's Mr. Rudman, please don't boot me off the platform for a highly erotic sexual innuendo about masturbating. No, no, no. This just has to do with golf. It just has to do with golf strokes is in there. Um, yeah, let's see. I, uh, my team that was like 56, it has dropped a little bit. My entire block of dolphins and Chicago bears, uh, running backs did not play. Uh, last week. So that team's down into 700th place. Uh, still a nice team there, 876 points, but that was a Justin Fields, DJ Moore team that didn't hit. It has Devon Achan and Jeff Wilson didn't play, has Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert didn't play. Um, did have the Tua to Tyreek, so that's why it's still uh, hanging around here. But yeah, my uh, my hopes of, of rocketing up into the top 10 of the regular season lead leaderboard on that team 
have taken a small hit. Um, before we dig into some more best ball stuff, I did want to uh, shout out the thing that salvaged and paid for all of my action on Underdog yesterday was the Pick'em entry that we built on Off and On the Clock. So this is the show I do every Friday with the Badge Bros over on the Underdog Daily channel. We do the block party at 2 p.m. Immediately head over to the Underdog Daily. We do about an hour and a half talking Battle Royale strategy, doing drafts and building a Pick'em here. And Nez famously wanted to get in some Justin Tucker, a little footy over the pond. Never doubt Nez on his kicker takes. Gets Justin Tucker here, 18 kicking points. Absolutely smashes it. Um, I think John was on Nico, uh, higher than 57 and a half yards. He gets to 80. Josh Downs, we liked. In this one, we were waffling, I think, on the yards or the receptions. Josh Downs did not get there on the yardage number. He does go higher than four receptions with five. Cooper Cup um, got there very quickly, higher than 85 and a half receiving yards. And then Jacoby Myers, the revenge game, um, he barely gets there. He did get there early, though, so it wasn't um, an agonizing sweat, but he gets to 61 receiving yards. So, yeah, nice little 20X there. Um, doing nice on that. I think it was, what, two weeks ago? We hit the cram pick'em. That was a 20x. Last week we hit uh this pick'em on off and on the clock, which I think what it means is we're due on ship chasing because our ship cast uh pick'em entries have not been hitting. I think we're what 0 for 5 now. So uh if you guys aren't familiar, over on ship chasing every Thursday night, we've been doing a companion stream for Thursday night football and building a core pick'em entry with three picks. And when we hit and I, I need to say when because I, I almost said if we hit, but eventually it will be when. When we hit, uh, we keep rolling over a $100 giveaway. So this coming week, it'll be $600. Um, and you just have to be watching the show. We drop in a Google form. And so each week the pot keeps getting bigger. Um, but one of these days we will hit our pick them entries um, because I'm bouncing around from shows. We hit it on the cram. We hit it on off and on the clock. This needs to be the week we hit it on ship chasing. Um I uh, wanted to pull up um, a little bit of the best ball mania portfolio. I got a few more minutes here before I head over and do Sirius XM. I would say on the whole, this was a pretty good week um, for my portfolio. I do have a lot of like late Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter teams, as you guys can remember. So those guys starting to put up usable weeks has been really nice. Brees Hall coming on, Cooper Cup coming on. You know, I had a pretty big position on uh on cooper cup as far as first round um and i had way more cooper cup than tyree kill which was not feeling good early on but starting to feel better about that i'm advancing 28 of my teams right now a lot of the fun ones we have um we've looked at on the show i was mentioning that one that's sitting there top 700 i think this team i drafted with liam is new up here um this team is, is kind of interesting. It's a Tua Jared Goff. I do love that Miami-Detroit pairing right now. Running backs, Kenneth Walker, who's looking like a league winner at his ADP, completely holding off Zach Charbonnet, even out of the bye. Uh, Brian Robinson, it was nice to see him take that screen pass for a touchdown. Jalen Warren, Kenneth Gainwell, Tajay Spears, who, man, uh, things are crazy and lots of stuff changes, but man, Tajay Spears looks like he's trending toward being a league winner there um and already kind of paying off his cost even without getting all of the carries kendry miller 
um, who's still playing second fiddle to Kamara and then Sean Tucker. But then this one, the wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Jordan Addison, and Marquise Brown. I remember this was one of those teams where Liam's like, let's just rip it in on wide receivers and then completely stop. And then tight ends, Sam Laporta, Cade Otten, Durham Smythe. So this team's running pretty pure as far as not really any dead roster spots other than Sean Tucker. And even that one, I think, could work out by the end of the year. Um, it's not like, um, you know, Rashad White is setting the world on fire, but that's a pretty fun team there that has started to surge lately um, with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell getting going. It is really interesting to kind of review those teams where it's like through a few weeks, you are not going to see any Jamar Chase and Waddle teams. Um, but all it takes is a couple big weeks and these teams can bubble back up to uh, to the surface. Um, Primetime KG, where do I get the Discord at? Will I get an email or how does that work? Yeah, so I got the link down to the Posit Kingdom Discord below. Once you hop in there, if you go to the FAQ, there's instructions on how to sync your YouTube and your Discord account. Once you sync that, it will um, automatically unlock the channel. And you can always ping me if you have issues, but there are instructions in the FAQ there. Um, all right, let's see here. Um, where's where's Johnny in the chat? Did someone say Johnny won uh, $1,100? Why can't I find the original Johnny? Uh, oh, got second in the Battle Royale. Congrats, Johnny. That is that is awesome. Um, more Deposit Kingdom uh, members stay winning over in the Battle Royale. Let's see here. Any other? Oh, I did want to shout out. So Neil Farley, um, I think you guys remember him. He uh, came on the show in the summer. He submitted to the Best Ball Datable, super sharp guy. He's been working on um, uh, a database, a little thing to help me review my portfolio. And, uh, I'm still trying to get my bearing with it. I might have him hop on the show one of these days to try to explain it to me of uh, some of this stuff, but there are some fun things to look at. Um, like this is a histogram of my various places after week five. So you can see that I'm above expectation on first place and below expectation on last place, which feels good. That feels good. Um, I have an outsized number of fifth place teams here. Almost 15% of my teams are in fifth place. Um, around average of 9, 10th, and 11th place. Um, need to get the second place average up here, but fun to look at some of these charts. And then he's at also put together this data table for me as well, which gives me a quick overview of when these teams were drafted. I thought it was interesting that my top two teams by score, 876 and 830, were both drafted in May. Uh, May 22nd for my best team, May 3rd um, for my second best team. And then it's completely barbelled because my, uh, what, fifth best team was still drafted on September 1st. So um, was possible to build um, good teams at any time of the year. Um, but this is my first uh, time kind of interacting with this uh, this suite of tools that uh, Neil built me. So shout out to Neil. And uh, I'm going to get more familiar with this and we can maybe dig into some more of this stuff because to be honest, um, I don't know what all of this stuff uh, means exactly here. Uh, it is kind of showing, I think, the upper percentile of points here um, relative to the field um, and then mine here. But uh, right now it's very uh, provocative and I'm sure Tyler has a comp for what he thinks this box box plot uh looks like right now 
I, I, I said that before even looking at the chat. I said that before even looking at the chat. Um, uh, there you go. Um, yeah, you guys are, this is when we have to end the show. Once, once we get to the labia, uh, charts, that's when we have to end it there. <laughs> sure. What, what if I just remove myself from the screen? Like, why don't we just get to the good stuff? We'll see you next time on the portfolio review. You guys are sick. <laughs>